Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then talk about it. This page is page 821. To strap the scabbard to my shoulder or hip, how the slightly enlarged guard would alter a few of the grips and motions of the Kitan. The sword was not mine. The sword belonged to the school, to Ademra. I would return it when I was no longer able to fight. While I normally have little tolerance for hearing the same thing over and over again, I let Vashit ramble. The least I could do was let her repeat herself a bit when she was plainly anxious and trying to settle her mind. Around the 15th repetition, I asked what I should do if the sword broke. Not the hilt or the guard, but the blade itself. Should I still bring it back? Vashit gave me a look of dismay so raw it verged on horror. She didn't answer, and I made a point of not asking any more questions for the rest of the morning. After lunch, Vashet took me back to Magwin's cave. My teacher's mood seemed somewhat improved, but she was still far from her regular gregarious self. Magwin will be giving you Cesare's story, she said. You must memorize it. It's story, I asked. Vashet shrugged. In Ademic it is etas. It is the history of your sword. Everyone who has carried it, what they have done. It is something you must know. We reached the top of the path and stood before Magwin's door. Vashet gave me a serious look. You must be on your best behavior and be very polite. I will, I said. Magwin is an important person and you must attend closely to what she says. I will, I said. Vashet knocked on the door and escorted me in. Magwin sat at the same table as before. For all I could tell, she was copying the same book. She smiled when she saw Vashet, then noticed me and let her face slide into the familiar Adam impassivity. Magwin, Vashet said, profoundly polite entreaty. This one needs the etas of his sword. Which sword did you find for him? Magwin asked, her face wrinkling even further as she squinted to see. Cesera, Vashet said. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Joanna. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry I was eating my dinner. But I am, I'm Jeremy. I have a thing. Quoth as the narrator calls the place where Magwin lives a cave this time. But that's not how he described it the first time. That's true. And it does seem, you know, I think if he had called it that the first time, we might get the wrong impression. But this is like a shorthand for for what it is, you know. Well, I mean, he could have just said house. I suppose. I think it, I, I mean, I think it's done with intention. I think any good writer chooses all the words with intention. So I think it's meant to kind of evoke like the the sense of age and import and like the idea of, and you know, maybe it's even to tie into something we've heard before, like the the, the wise person who lives in a cave, you know, like what Jax did. Jax met the man in the cave who sent him on the journey to the moon or something like that, right? I will or accept maybe, that. Maybe it was Tekum who lived in a cave. I was going to anyway. say, Tec- we know that Tekum like came out of a cave and like yeah. spoke to people. Quoth overlooks, like he notices how anxious Vashet is. Plainly anxious, he says, but he never asks her why. And then he is sort of distracted from it and decides not to push her anymore because of the question he asked about the sword. He specifically says, I made a point of not asking any more questions for the rest of the morning. So he is like actively discouraged from saying, Hey, what's up with you? Why are you so anxious? I think that's intentional. I think that, you know, what's the top of mind for him is like what to do with the sword. And because she discourages him from learning about like what to do if it breaks, which is like unthinkable. Apparently he doesn't ask why she's so anxious. And I think, I think that's intentional. Intentional on whose part? 
on Rothfuss's part. I think uh, like it's it's the characters are sort of given an excuse not to not to engage with each other's feelings because of this interaction because Quoth is discouraged from asking questions for the rest of the morning. I think if they had naturally been like going back and forth and having a conversation and Quoth didn't intentionally go, okay, you know what? I'm just not going to ask him more questions. He might have eventually landed on, Hey, why are you so anxious? Mm -hmm. And so this is a way of breezing through those conversations without having us, the reader say, Hey, how come Quoth isn't asking her how she's doing? The reader is going to go, okay, no more questions from Quoth. We can jump to the cave now. Do you think that he would ask her about that? I think he would because he sees that she's plainly anxious and like, she hasn't been so anxious the entire time that they've been together. I think that if he weren't discouraged from asking questions, he might. Well, I don't, I feel like he's also kind of discouraging himself from asking questions. It's not like necessarily, is it a purposeful? Yeah, no, I'm I'm not blaming Vashet for like not letting him ask questions. I'm saying uh, he has decided not to ask questions when maybe this is something he should be asking questions about, but you know, doesn't come up in this book. Maybe it's his uh, barbarianisms are are leading him astray. Yeah, like, I just don't know if he did ask her, hey, Vashet, you seem pretty anxious. Is it because of this sword in particular? What's so special about it? I don't know if she'd give him an answer. Maybe, but at least we would get to see her reaction and we could infer something from that. But it's not a conversation Rothfuss wants Quoth to have right now. Indeed. I have, uh, I have trouble having notes on this page, to be honest. Well, aside from the exchange at the top, we are setting up the scene with with Magwin. I think we're still kind of getting into it. There's not a ton of meaty stuff here. I'm just looking at the the second half of the page. The meat for me is that Vashet, despite the fact that Quoth has passed his his initiation and he is now a part of the tribe, C-3PO voice, Vashet still feels the need to say, look, you have to be very polite to Magwin. You have to be on your best behavior. I mean, I feel like even if he was, like, I think Vashet might say this to someone who is, like, Adem too. Like, Celine might get a similar chat. Maybe Celine, but, like, I think that she is going, look, I don't think you've been explained the importance of Magwin, like, how venerable she is, how much respect she is owed. I think everyone else in town knows how important she is. They wouldn't have to be told to be on their best behavior. I do think, now that you mention it, Jeremy, that, like, her voice is a little different here, which you might ch- uh, chalk up to her being anxious. Like she seems like she's speaking more formally, almost more simply, like she's simplifying her language a bit for Quoth. Mm-hmm. When you were reading it, I was almost wondering if this was like a passage that Rothfuss had written earlier and not revised that much, because it almost seems to me like, like she's speaking in like almost stilted English, like as if she is, not as if she's simplifying her language for someone who doesn't understand it, which she hasn't done prior. Like we've seen them have pretty sophisticated conversations. Yeah. That's not the sense I get at all. Yeah. I chalk it up to her anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I can, the rhythm of their dialogue is very clear to me. I can like see how this would be shot and staged in a film as you often are remarking on. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I am out of things. Just that. Magwin and Shaheen are the only people we see writing, I believe. And I think, I don't know if we talked about this, but the only instances of writing besides the signage that we see are the correspondence that Shaheen has and the book that Magwin works out of. We have a letter today. Mailbag! 
from a Serbic speaker who writes, prequels! Oh, I snuck into the mailbox and read the like first line of this, and I've been excited for this mail. Okay. Oh, sneak into the mailbox, huh? We need some sort of... Anti-Jordana theft mechanism? <laughs> yeah, some sort of anthropomorphized... Um... No, 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 no. Yeah, like an eldritch entity that can defend itself from greedy trespassers. I no. <laughs> The letter reads as follows. Dear Pagers, I love prequels. Fire and Blood is great. And have you seen Arcane? It's a fantastic animated show and in some sense a prequel to the game League of Legends. The Fantastic Beast movie was fantastic too, though I wish it didn't have anything to do with She Who Must Not Be Named. In answer to your call for prequel ideas, here are some characters whose backstories I think would be fun. Scarpy. Arladin, in particular, how he wooed Natalia Lackless. I am a sucker for a romantic mush like that and the little bit of their romance in the main books is so cute. Auri and Elodin. Clearly we need another Auri novella because the first one is so good. The cobbler from Tarbine, in particular, the story of how his son died. Cheers, signed Acerbic Speaker. The son's not dead! <laughs> oh, that kid is so dead. He's dead in the most tragic way you can imagine. However tragic you're imagining it, it's like ten times more tragic than that. Also, I have seen Arcane. It's great. I, just, I watched all of it twice. I liked it so much. <laughs> yeah, I also watched it despite never playing and never being about to play League of Legends, so I'm not really aware of, like, to what extent it's a prequel, I thought it was okay. I think because I have a big sister, I, like, felt very connected to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that the reason that Fire and Blood works is because it's set so far in the past that it doesn't matter that it happens before the events of Game of Thrones. For For the same way that, like, the Knights of the Old Republic video games, it doesn't matter that they are set before the events of the original Star Wars films because they're set like a thousand years before, so none of these characters are ever going to meet each other. It does not matter. Yep, and it's so far back that no matter what outcome you have in KOTOR, it doesn't affect the uh, the core Star Wars story, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what my first reaction is to the suggestions from a Cervic speaker, is that any of these prequels... Not any of them, but many of these prequels would like potentially spoil or tend to affect Quoth's story, I think, negatively. Like if we understand the details of the Arladin Natalia Lackless wooing, you know, we might actually lose something about the frame story. I think in a recent Patreon episode, we had a conversation about like perhaps the story of they how they got together is not the what what Quoth imagines. Um, I think we talked about how potentially like what if Natalia was the driver? If Arladin didn't actually like woo her, but she sought him out. Um, that was one thing we thought about. And so like learning- I don't care who woos who. Yeah, it's a good I mean, idea. I'm sure I'm sure to be nice, right? But like, and that's also part of why I think that the prequel show that they were working on, which would have been about Natalia and, uh, and Arladin, would not have worked because I don't think that it has, that Kingkiller has enough of an intrinsic fan base to support a show that isn't like as- that doesn't have the same like cachet. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, I think it does. I also want to point to a a long and bloody history of like the more you interfere with the story of a hero's dead parents, the worse you make the story. <laughs> like pretty much without fail. And also, yeah, like his parent the Quoth is what's interesting. I'm less interested in his parents. I would be interested in like I don't know, the the same kind of story about Ilian or um or Taberlin, right? Like sort of the the true story of the hero. But that's what we're getting with Quoth, right? I don't think 
I think it's important that Ilian and Taberlin exist, but I'm less interested in that. I'm also more interested in like the small characters. Like it's also interesting to see how the world changes. Like that, what I find most interesting about when you do these time jumps in fantasy is less about like the characters that came before and more about how the world has reacted to the events. Jeremy, we were talking about uh, Joe Abercrombie's books recently. I don't have a particular affinity for many of the characters in Abercrombie's books, but what I do like when the time jumps around is seeing how the world has responded to the various actions of those characters. I find that really fascinating. And that's something I'd be interested in seeing. I actually think that the candidate that you identify who would probably make the most interesting narrative is the cobbler whose son is definitely dead because that's a character like Koth only ever meets that guy that one time. So his story isn't going to impact Koth's story that much. So there's a lot of room for you to build in exactly how he came to be there and what exact awful tragedy happened to his incredibly dead son. <laughs> to lead Stop him to where it! He is. <laughs> you don't know that. We were talking about like tropes before. <laughs> you know how I know that the son is dead. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Team not dead son. <laughs> well, yeah. If listeners rep your team by going to the shop, which there is a link for uh, at our website page of the wind.com. You can get your shirt for team dead son or team not dead son and, uh, and wear your logo proudly baffle your friends and neighbors. <laughs> and the yeah. good news is the shirts are very difficult to read because they're done in like a weird metal writing style. So no one else is going to read your shirt and go, huh? Baffle friends and neighbors on several different levels. Yes, I think explain to them that it's an inside joke from an extremely niche podcast that you listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can be someone's dead son on tomorrow's page. <laughs> Whoa! Oh <my> God, I, hope. <laughs> I hope not. The wind.